it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Oh, oh, oh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this space. Thank you for joining me. My name is Cecile Ahrens. I'm a psychotherapist, wife, mom, and basically a passionate human being whose life mission is to raise mental health awareness and help people become healthier and happier. I'm happy to join you in this special world that is Clubhouse. But if you also would like to follow me on my other social media platforms, feel free to do so at C Aaron's LCSW on Twitter, that's C-A-H-R-E-N-S LCSW on Twitter. LCSW, by the way, if you're um, curious, stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. So that's basically my uh, educational background and training. And then on IG, I'm Transcend underscore Therapy underscore Inc. I also have a podcast called Get Mental and a Facebook group called Get Mental. If you're um, interested in learning more about, you know, the mental, mental health and different topics I talk about, you can visit those pages and I hope that you find it informative. If this is your first time on Clubhouse, welcome. If this is your first time in this room, welcome. And I'm so happy you've decided to take your mental health care to the next level by tuning in with me. We're going to uncover some very interesting topics. I'm going to invite a few friends every now and then. And my hope is that you can take a few nuggets with you to your actual life and ultimately live a better, happier, healthier life. Because let's face it, we all have issues. So I hope you enjoy this 30 minute talk and let's get started. So shame, toxic shame is what I wanted to talk about today. And why of all subjects in mental health do I decide, did I decide to start with the subject of mental health? It is because in my professional and personal opinion, having been in the field for 20 years, I believe this is the single most important issue of our day. It is what I call the cancer of the soul. And why is that? Because shame usually exists as a result of abuse, neglect, unmet emotional needs, attachment issues, and and which in essence is really about some form of traumatic experience. So trauma is pervasive, it's prevalent, it does not discriminate, we all have experienced it, um, it just varies in its degree and severity, and it creates a lot of what we call toxic shame. So let's talk about what that is, because there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, about shame, and it's often confused with guilt. So before I talk about shame, I want to talk about guilt, okay? Guilt, healthy guilt, is usually a healthy response to wrongdoings 
or mistakes or actions we've um, you know committed uh, knowingly or not that hurt or harm others. Okay, but guilt, healthy guilt, usually motivates us to take responsibility, to be accountable, and to change or grow. Inappropriate guilt, or what I sometimes call false guilt, is usually irrational. It's usually when we feel bad, even though we're not really doing anything wrong. But that's usually kind of where it ends. I mean, sometimes it might end in some poor choices, codependency, but that's pretty much kind of the reach of it. Shame, on the other hand, is this inherent belief that there is something wrong with you, okay? It's very personal. Shame is the belief that you are essentially unworthy and defected, okay? So the belief around shame is that usually like there is something wrong with me or I'm unlovable, or I'm shameful, or I'm not worthy. That's the quality. And shame causes us to self-abuse, whereas guilt doesn't necessarily do that, right? Because guilt, healthy guilt motivates us to grow, be accountable, and change for the better. Shame causes us to contract. It causes us to become smaller. It causes us to self-abuse and not, you know, not too uncommon is it also causes us to hurt and cause inevitable harm to others. So shame is often displaced. It's, you know, what I mean by that is, especially if you're not aware of it, you can project it onto someone else you can displace it onto someone else as a way of avoiding your own shame. And then sometimes, you know, you can also shame others. It, it starts with, you know, statements like, God, why did you do that? Why did you not know better? How did you not know not to, you know, do this? Or how do you not know, right? If you're a parent and you're, you think you're just talking to your kid and giving them feedback, you could be really inadvertently and unknowingly shaming just by the way you question a child and the way you make them feel when they make a mistake. That seed of shame gets planted usually very early on in a person's life. And we continue to do it as adults if we are not conscious enough or mindful enough or careful enough, right? A big kind of macro example of this shaming is in a current political system. There's so much shaming that goes on between the two parties. And I'm not gonna get political here. That's just kind of a big example that I think everyone can relate to and hopefully be able to quickly identify um, what shaming behavior can look like because it is really everywhere. Just look at our, our media, you know, and it's done in the name of righteousness, in the name of, you know, standing up for something you believe in, but it's the shaming in there is very concealed, but it's very toxic because it, it doesn't create change. It actually just perpetuates a cycle of 
hopelessness, helplessness, anger, and sometimes violence. So this thing that you think is like, oh, these are just little injuries, they actually can snowball into bigger emotional and psychological injuries that then create multitude, multitude forms of dysfunctional behaviors. So shame and addiction is often correlated. And if you think about that, based on just the little bit of info I've shared today, it makes sense, right? Because we, shame is so unpleasant. We don't want to feel it because it's so yucky that if you're not aware that that's what you're trying to avoid or not feel, substances and other forms of addiction are really effective in disconnecting you from that and numbing you from that. And the deeper the shame, in my experience, the more ma um, maladaptive and dysfunctional and very destructive behaviors we tend to have. Okay, so this is why I call this the cancer of the soul, because shame is often manifested in our basic core beliefs about ourselves. Shame is the outcome of the core belief. So core beliefs, if you're not familiar to the mental health space or therapy speak, is basically the statements, the self-talk that you have about yourself. Sometimes you're aware of it and sometimes you're not, okay? But the most common one is, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Those two seem to be in close competition, you know, with one another. And I see them more really as, as twins. They're in the same family. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy, right? There's something inherently bad or wrong about me that I'm not worthy. I'm always going to be inadequate. I'm never going to make the cut. And it, it really, really is such a painful place to be. And if you're listening and you can relate to this, I want you to know that you don't have to be stuck here. There is a way out, but it will involve time, investment, effort, and a little bit of courage. But we can do it together. You don't have to do this alone. You know, you are going to be invited to make contact with, with feelings and emotions and thoughts that maybe you spent a great deal of your life wanting to avoid or wanting to disconnect from. But we'll do it in a safe way. We'll do it in a manageable way. We can go at your pace, okay? What are, what are some of the ways we can do that? So obviously, if you haven't caught on yet, I'm advocating for therapy, psychotherapy. And there are many different types of interventions that have been proven to work and to help heal the origins of shame. And the origins are largely because of what happened to you as a child, as a young person. That's not 
always the case, but that is commonly the case. You might have had a healthy childhood, a stable enough childhood, right? And then maybe in your you know, earlier adulthood or later in life, you end up having uh, a couple of traumatic experiences. It can happen that way too, okay? But it doesn't, it almost doesn't even matter how, you know, when it happened. But what I want you to understand is it's not your fault. It's not something you did. It's, it's the result of what happened to you and how you internalize those experiences. Shame is the result of the things that people said to you and did to you, or the things that your caregivers never said to you and never gave to you, such as those unmet emotional needs, okay? And the pain and the wounding from those experiences run deep. We cannot underestimate the long lasting and pervasive effects of trauma. At the heart of all of this is some form of traumatic experience, okay? At the heart of shame, I'm gonna repeat that, is some form of traumatic experience. And trauma doesn't just heal on its own because trauma disrupts the body. It disrupts our wiring. It disrupts our nervous system. It disrupts our brain's functioning. So, you know, they say time heals all wounds. Well, that's not necessarily true, I hate to say. Especially not with shame. Especially not with trauma. You know, maybe at best we can say that's true. If you've had just some, you know, minor, minor type of trauma, a single event trauma, and you've done some other type of, you know, healing work. But for the most part, you have to feel the feelings and you have to process the pain. There's no shortcut. There's no going around that process usually. Um, and the best way I know how to do that as a trauma therapist is through two different types of interventions, okay? Psychotherapy utilizing EMDR and IFS. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And that's a form of therapy that's been researched extensively. It's been shown over and over again to be highly effective with long lasting, if not permanent results. And it's very gentle and it involves bilateral stimulation of the left and right brain. I know that sounds scary. Um, hang in there with me, let me finish. It's basically, you know, um, we activate both sides of the brain so that we can start to fully integrate the traumatic material or the painful material. So for example, if you're coming in and you're telling me, you know, I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling that way, I'm already looking for negative core beliefs that may be potentially in effect. And a lot of times there's shame there, you know, and sometimes people don't have a name for it until we start to unpack it and then it's there, right? But there are other emotions too, usually. But the reason I'm focusing on shame is because that's the one that gets overlooked oftentimes. And it's the one that people just, you know, 
don't don't have a really good grasp on or understanding on. So with EMDR, we will start with the core belief. So for example, if your core belief is I'm not good enough, right? We start with the core belief and through the process and the protocols, which I'm not going to get into extensively here. I may do a, a, a separate talk just on EMDR. We stimulate or bilaterally stimulate both side of, sides of the brain, either through eye movements, since that eye movement in EMDR, right? Or we can do tapping. You can self-tap or we can tap if you're comfortable uh, having a therapist be physically close to you, or we can do audio. So basically you put some headphones or earphones and um, there'll, there'll be like a buzzing sound that just alternates between your left and right ear. It'll just be like, mm, 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 mm. and um, full disclosure, when I did my own EMDR work, that's what I preferred because I that's how I learned. Um, and there's also the, the tappers or the buzzers. And those are kind of, you know, just two little things you hold in your left and right hand, one on each hand, and we turn it on and it just buzzes alternately between left and right hand. However, which way it is, the idea is when we stimulate both sides of the brain while you're thinking or recalling a traumatic event, it tends to be more tolerable. The distress that you feel tends to be more manageable, right? Um, and somehow the bilateral stimulation tends to be a little more relaxing. It, it creates kind of a relaxation effect so that you can tolerate the distress of thinking about that painful event one, you know, one set at a time. And we're only doing it for like five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. It really depends on where you're at. That's what I mean, that it's very gentle. And then we, you know, we can process a whole traumatic event. Obviously it takes time and it depends on the, the person as to kind of how stable you are, but we can process a whole event in less time and less money than traditional forms of talk therapy. And again, that's also been researched, okay? Um, IFS is what's called internal family systems. That's what that stands for. So in this type of intervention, why I love using IFS for shame work, especially and trauma work, because shame is already that, right? Like if we're talking about your feelings and you and the choices you've made, if you're shameful, if you're having a lot of shame, it's going to be hard for you to process some of that because you're so ashamed to talk about it. You're ashamed to go there. You're ashamed to feel those feelings, you know, and to confront yourself. So with IFS, what I love about it is it's actually very non-pathologizing. What that means is we are not judging you or shaming you in the therapeutic process. We are externalizing that part of you. So IFS is also known as parts work, meaning we unpack the different parts. So the premise is we all have parts, right? And we have a core self. We have a wise self. So core self is your wise, healthy self. And your parts are the parts that you've either disowned or um, are hurting and still wounded and haven't fully <coughs> harmonized with the entire system. So you can probably relate to this. 
you just don't maybe know it yet, but I'll break it down. So basically when you're ever like, if you're ever in a pickle, you know, and you have a dilemma, don't just sometimes go, you know, I have a part that really wants to say this, but then my wiser rational self is thinking, hmm, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should be, you know, more respectful or whatever, right? Think about a person you don't like that you've been, you know, really appropriate with, but deep down inside, if you could, right? There's a part that wants to say something else. So that's kind of a simple example of parts, right? Or a part that's sometimes happy about an event, but also jealous, right? So for example, if you're having, you know, everyone's passing you up or so you think that's how you're internalizing it and they're getting married and you're always the bridesmaid, right? There's a part that's like, I'm really happy for her. I'm really glad she finally found her person. And then you have a part that's like, God, man, I'm so jealous, you know, and I just can't believe that, you know, this is my life. And why does she have to get everything? And why does she have to be blah, 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 blah. Those are, that's an example of how common parts are. Like we all have that. And so with shame, I love this because it helps you be able to look at that, look at your shame as just a part of you. And it doesn't have to be all of you. And if we can externalize that and support that and help them heal, right? And if you can understand that that shame is going to exist up until the time you heal it, it's going to be there. It's not going to go away. But if you can if you can compartmentalize it enough so that you can make decisions from core self while we're helping shame get better, right? So an, the analogy I like to use is let's have core self drive the bus and let's shame and whatever other parts that we need to rescue and help be passengers, okay? They're not going to be quite little passengers because this is the nature of parts. You know, they like to take over when they don't trust you, you, core self. So I hope I'm not losing you guys here, but shame, toxic shame is usually going to take over the bus. The deeper the pain, the more toxic the shame, the more that they don't want to let go of the steering wheel. Because if they do, that means you have to feel some shit. Okay. And if they think why self is not in the house, why self does not have control of the bus, they're not going to let you take over. So in therapy, with IFS type of therapy, we look at where's core self? How can we strengthen that? Because shame and all these other parts need to trust core self to be able to handle it. One shame lets go of the steering wheel, okay? Because parts protect. As toxic as shame is, it's trying to protect you. The irony is, right? The addiction, all of that stuff, you know, the self-abuse, the eating disorder, which is very much shame-based. Um, all of those things you're doing is is the part's way of protecting you in a dysfunctional way, unfortunately, but it's trying to protect you from feeling things it thinks you can't handle. It's trying to protect you from feeling things and confronting things it thinks you don't have the strength to do, or not yet anyway. So those are the two ways I know how to work with shame. There are many other forms of interventions. There's cognitive behavioral therapy, there's dialectical behavioral therapy, there's um, prolonged exposure. Um, there's you know, a lot of mindfulness-based interventions. Whatever works is what, whatever works for you. you know? 
Um, but for me, as a trauma therapist, this is the method I prefer. It's, it, it suits my philosophy and my framework for practice and how I think about things and how I conceptualize mental health issues. Every therapist has their own kind of thing. And this is my thing. And um, shame is one of those things that if you don't address, it will ruin your life. It will absolutely cause inevitable harm to you and the people around you. So hopefully I've made my case here as to why toxic shame is exactly that, toxic. And hopefully I've made the case for why it is imperative that you give yourself permission to seek support Find somebody who is trauma-sensitive, trauma-informed, because, again, if you've missed the beginning of the talk, shame is basically the result of all of these little T's and big T's, little traumas and big traumas. And it creates a cycle of pain and dysfunction. The bigger, sorry, the more painful the wound, the bigger the shame. And then the more the, the most potential for harm. And shame can be inflicted not just on yourself, but onto others. So that's basically what I, what I want to say about that. So the other thing I want to mention before we end is shame can also be uh, a learned behavior. So think of your family system, right? Think of our society. Think of your particular culture or cultures that you belong to, right? Um, a kind of uh, basic or simple example, not simple, but like easy kind of thing for us to understand is, you know, fat shaming, right? Body shaming. Um, I know in my particular culture and my particular family system, uh, I grew up with a lot of that. I grew up with a lot of, um, shaming that was disguised as humor or just being, you know, I'm just being silly. Um, but really, you know, the humor is shame-based because it's repetitive, it's a pattern, and it's centered around um, a, a thing that is usually related to your physical characteristic or your um, intelligence or a certain kind of quality about you that is being made fun of or or where you're being teased for 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 that particular you know trait so to speak right so if it's pervasive enough if it's repetitive enough if it's constant enough it's not a joke anymore it starts to become shaming behavior so we all have a responsibility to break this in our in our particular you know uh, relationships in our in our families in our system, um, but it takes one one step at a time, one um, one person at a time. Okay, and I hope you start with yourself, because the most important relationship you'll ever have is with you, and everything that you do emanates from that relationship, the one you have with yourself. So that's all I wanted to say about that. 
Um, if you're in California and you're looking for a therapist, please consider Transcend Therapy. And you can check us out at transcendtherapyca.com, transcendtherapyca.com. We have um, six clinicians. We're all very passionate. Uh, we have about a combined, I think, 50, 60 years experience between all of us. So that's pretty incredible. We're all very passionate about helping people and we all understand the pervasiveness and the you know per, uh, persistent effects of trauma and we're all very committed in helping you um, heal and get to the next level in, in of growth in your journey. So again transcendtherapyca.com check us out again mental um, on Instagram or Transcend Therapy Inc. on Instagram. And we also have a Facebook group called Get Mental. Be well, be gentle, get mental, because we all have issues. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. No.